0: When I came up with the idea for this podcast, I knew I would be doing research into a variety of different pop culture subjects and icons. In just four episodes, I've researched and written up the show on subjects like the Big Mac, Spider-Man, Pokemon, and of course last week's special Star Wars episode released on May 4th for obvious reasons. Right off the bat, I came out swinging with some big names and franchises. Then I started thinking, what should I cover next? It wasn't long before I realized the answer was staring me right in the face. I didn't even need to think about it really. The episode just kind of wrote itself. But I'm approaching this episode just a little bit differently than the other. And all the other episodes I've recorded, I just gave the fact. I never approached from a personal perspective. So today for episode five, I'm going to give a little bit of my own memories, as well as dive into the history of the franchise I've chosen for this episode. And then I'll let you, the listeners, decide which way you prefer me to do the show going forward. By the time you're listening to this, Tears of the Kingdom, the sequel to The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, is now out. When I picked this subject, I actually had no idea that Tears of the Kingdom was going to release around the same time. I guess in a way, it was just fate. Sort of like how it's fate that Link, in his many iterations, is is always destined to become the hero and defeat evil. It just makes perfect sense. Now for me personally, I only really dabbled in the Legend of Zelda games growing up. Like a lot of other games during my childhood, I always gave up too early when I found something difficult or confusing. Zelda was no exception to that. In fact, it wasn't until I was in my 20s that I actually finished a Zelda game. I played and finished Wind Waker on Nintendo GameCube well after its initial release. At the time, it was not looked upon fondly due to its departure from the art style of previous games. For me though, I had missed out on the previous 3D generation of games and had never played Ocarina of Time or Majora's Mask. As I played Wind Waker and became immersed in that world, I fell in love with the game. Around that same time, my wife picked up Twilight Princess. I watched her play it to completion and she watched me playing Wind Waker. Two very vastly different art styles, but both great games in their own right. After that, I eventually went on to play and complete Skyward Sword, but to this day, those are the only two Zelda games i fully completed. Yes, I know that means I never even completed Breath of the Wild, and it's embarrassing. But this episode isn't about me, or my shortcomings as a gamer. It's about The Legend of Zelda, one of the most beloved Nintendo franchises of all time. Nowadays, if you throw up a picture of Link, Zelda, or even the recurring villain throughout most of the games, Ganon, almost everyone would be able to tell you who they are. The Legend of Zelda is undoubtedly a series that has left a mark on the hearts and minds of multiple generations. So as you listen to this episode and celebrate both the release and the success of Tears of the Kingdom, let's take a look at where everything began and how it came to be. This is For the Love of Episode 5, The Legend of Zelda. The Legend of Zelda was created by the Japanese game designers Shigeru Miyamoto and Takashi Tezuka. Miyamoto produced the game and Tezuka wrote the story in script. The programming was mostly done by Toshihiko Nakago of Nintendo's partner SRD. Kaiji Terui, a screenwriter known for his work on the anime shows Doctor Slump and Dragon Ball, wrote the backstory for the game that would be included in the manual. He drew his inspiration from medieval conflicts in Europe. Development began in 1984, with the original intention of the game releasing as a launch title for the Famicom Disk System. At the time, the development team was also simultaneously working on another now-legendary Nintendo franchise, Super Mario Bros. They tried to separate their ideas, with Mario being linear with all the action occurring in a strict sequence. The Legend of Zelda, on the other hand, was the complete opposite. In contrast to Mario, Zelda was non-linear and forced players to think about what they were going to do next. According to Miyamoto, the non-linear approach caused those in Japan to become confused. They had trouble navigating the multi-layered dungeons, and in pre-development, players also started with the sword already in their inventory. Instead of just simplifying the matter for players, Miyamoto went in a different direction. He forced the player to listen to the old man who gave them their sword, and encouraged interaction with other players to share their ideas with each other to find various hidden secrets. At the time, this was a brand new form of gaming communication. With The Legend of Zelda, Miyamoto also wanted to flesh out the idea of a game world even further, giving players a, quote, miniature garden that they can put inside their drawer. He drew his inspiration from his childhood experiences around Kyoto, where he would explore nearby fields, woods, and caves. Miyamoto also tried, through the Zelda games, to provide players with the same limitless wonder he had felt through exploration. Miyamoto is actually quoted as saying, When I was a child, I went hiking and found a lake. It was quite a surprise for me to stumble upon it. When I traveled around the country without a map, trying to find my way, stumbling on amazing things as I went, I realized how it felt to go on an adventure like this. In the Labyrinthian Dungeons, he called on his memories of getting lost among the maze of sliding doors in his family's home in Sanobi. On the other side of things, the story writing by Tezuka was a fairy tale adventure inspired by fantasy books akin to the Lord of the Rings by J.R.R. Tolkien. The main character was named Link to connect players inserted into the world with their interactive role, kind of like working from a blank slate. Link was designed by Miyamoto as a coming of age motif to identify with journeying as an ordinary boy strengthened by trials to triumph over great challenges and rise to Medieval. The name of Princess Zelda actually came from Zelda Fitzgerald, the wife of the famous novelist F. Scott Fitzgerald. According to Miyamoto, she was a famous and beautiful woman from all accounts, and I liked the sound of her name, so I took the liberty of using it for the very first title. Kanji Kodo composed the five music tracks for the game. He originally planned to use Maurice Ravel's Bolero as the title theme, but was forced to change it late into the development cycle, after learning that the copyright had not yet expired. Instead, Kondo wrote a new arrangement for the overworld theme within one day, which has since gone on to become the theme we all know and love today. The game was released in 1986 in Japan, and a year later in the US. It would gain so much popularity that it would spin off into 19 different games and sequels, spanning all of Nintendo's game consoles, as well as a number of spin-offs, and even American animated TV series as well as individual manga adaptations published by Nintendo. The Legend of Zelda is one of Nintendo's most successful franchises, with several entries considered among the greatest video games of all time. While I may not have a true personal connection to all Zelda games myself, I have recently been personally taking up the task of playing all the games I have access to. I am currently working through A Link Between Worlds on my 2DS, as well as Majora's Mask. I'm excited to dive into this series and games that so many have cherished for generations. While everyone continues on their Zelda journeys by diving deep into the world of Tears of the Kingdom, to close out this episode, I will leave you with one last thing. Take this podcast with you. It is dangerous to go alone.